John chapter 5 this morning. And we're going to start reading in verse number 37. Verse 37. Now, you may remember, you may not. So for context sake, remember that this entire conversation is uh, based, it's predicated on the idea. And that's why context is so important. It, it, the, the context of this, of this entire passage is Jesus heals a man and then they question that Jesus Christ is, in fact, the Christ, the Son of God. Uh, matter of fact, uh, look down, if you would, at verse number, uh, yeah, verse 38. Well, look, look what it says here. Right in the middle of that verse, for whom he hath sent. Uh, when he says he, that there's an antecedent to the pronoun he, and the antecedent is the Father in verse number 37. All right, look at verse 37. And the Father himself, which hath sent me, there he is, hath uh, borne witness of me, ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom he hath sent, him ye believe not. Uh, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of people today will say things like this, I don't believe the Bible, uh, but I, I like the teaching of, of Jesus, or Jesus was a good man. Uh, the avenue by which you learn of this man Jesus is the scriptures, all right? And we're going to see a connection between the Word of God, the written Word of God, and the living Word of God. They're not the same, but they are very, very closely connected. So much so that if you're not willing to invest in the written Word of God, if someone says, uh, I'm an atheist and I want proof of God, all right, there's historical proof. Are you willing to read it? And I would say this, if you're not willing to read it, then what is your faith? I don't have faith. Yes, you do. You weren't there billions of years ago, and according to your own ideology, to see something explode and to know, first off, where did the matter come from, from which the explosion had the energy to, to explode, number one. Number two, uh, uh, you weren't there to see it take place. So if you're not there to see it take place, and you can't account for where the energy came from to begin with, and by the way, that's why the Big Bang came out to, to become a thing. They, they, forever, they said the universe is eternal. It never had a beginning. And then they realized, no, we're wrong. We're dating everything. It had to have a beginning. So then they go, there's a Big Bang. You know what the Big Bang proves, if anything else? It's their way of acknowledging that they, if you don't say it's God, you're going to say it's the universe. That's why I knew it. You know, everyone today is like, the universe is just blessing me. No, the universe is a, is a thing. It can't bless you. You mean God blessed you? You mean there's a higher power that you're acknowledging, but you don't want to call it God because that sounds archaic and old-fashioned? Uh, listen, God is the highest reality that there is. He is the first cause, all right? And so when someone says, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe the Bible, they're talking out of both sides of their mouth, and they're not making any sense. You can't believe Jesus. What do you believe about Jesus? Where did you learn this? You learned it from the written word of God. All right, look what he says in verse uh, number 39. Search the what? How can you do that if you don't have them? You know what a lot of people say? Well, we believe that God inspired the scriptures and they were perfect when God gave them. But we're, after that, you know, things happened and kind of like the opposite of evolution when it comes to the Bible, like everything just got worse and worse. And therefore, we're just doing the best we can with what we've got. And we really don't know what God said. If that's the place that you want to park yourself, you're welcome to do that. It's a free country. But I'm going to say this much. You will never learn about God like you could if you approach his word like this. God, whatever you say is right. And that is your word, and I'm going to believe it by faith. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me, that ye might have life. Now, we're going to get into this, uh, but notice uh, the words there, verse 40, will not. You know what that means? That means that God does not force you to receive him. 
that means that Calvinism is wrong. All right. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll explain it. But there are a lot of people that believe that basically the way salvation works is the Holy Spirit goes to work. Well, let me go back. Let me, let me back the truck up a little bit. The way that some people believe is that in eternity past, God just looked at the room and said, uh, yeah, Sammy, she's saved. Yep. Craig, no way. He, dad jokes. He's going to hell. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, John, yeah, he's saved. You know, and, and Tony's saved. But Richie, no way. His hair, he ain't getting into heaven that way. No way. <laughs> So God just picked who he wanted to be saved, and he picked who he wanted to be lost, and that's not biblical. All right? God does know beforehand who's going to get saved and who's not, but that does not mean that God made them get saved. We're going to explore that thought a little bit this morning. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, Brother Tim, if you ask God's blessing, what we're about to learn. Amen. Amen. All right. Look down if you would at verse number 38. We're going verse by verse in the gospel of John. Uh, we've been in John. We're in John chapter five coming to the end. I think we've been in John for four years now. Is that right? Uh, not really. It may feel that way. Uh, you know, one chapter a year. Uh, but we're taking our time because that's man, that's how you get the most out of it. Uh, you know what some of you do at lunchtime? I know because I've been there. You know what you do? Here's this burger. And he goes, oh, you don't chew it, you don't taste it, you do, it just goes right in, gets sucked down, and then you go on with the rest of your day, right? Uh, and you don't get to enjoy it. And, and listen, your life is all about rushing. You're rushing from one thing to the next. You're rushing from this event. Uh, any, any parents have kids in sports? Man, you get them in sports, you're rushing to this thing and that thing. Get them in 4-H, you're rushing to, you know, after school events and spirit day and all this stuff you got to do with the kids. And, and, and even if you don't have kids, man, you got fur babies, you got stuff, you got things, you got going from this thing to that thing with your jobs and your life. And with all the time-saving technologies that we have, we're more busy than we've ever been. And people have more anxiety than they've ever had and more stress than has ever existed. And you say, why is that? Because you can't slow down long enough to take in the word of God. That's what it is. And how do I know that? Look what he says in verse number 38. You have not his what? what? His what? Word. And what's the next word? Now, there's a difference between visiting church uh, and, and being a part of the church. There's a difference between visiting a place and living somewhere. All right. And the word abiding has a sense of permanency to it. Look at, uh, keep your hand there and look at John chapter number 15. Go to John 15. John chapter 15. Now, you know what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying? You will not have the right attitude towards God's authority if you're not willing to be still and take it in. And the entire issue that Jesus Christ is dealing with is one that has to do with authority. And like I said, there's a connection between the living word of God and the written word of God. We're going to look at that in just a moment. Uh, but, but ultimately, what they're challenging is his authority. Remember this? When, when they said, who gave you the authority that you have? And he said, let me ask you a question. Uh, John the Baptist, uh, did, was, he, uh, was his uh, uh, ministry of heaven or was it of men? 
And they didn't want to answer because they knew that if they said of men, the people would have a problem with that because they knew he was sent of God. In other words, they saw something different in John than the rest of the preachers. They see something different in Jesus Christ than the rest of the preachers. You may or may not remember, it says in John chapter 7 that Jesus did not speak like the rest of them. Why? Because he spoke as one that had what? Authority. You know what people don't like today? They don't like preaching. Matter of fact, uh, I told you John 15. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3 real quick. We'll go back to John 15 in a moment. 1 Timothy chapter 3. It's called pastoral ADD. Just hang out with me for a little bit. You'll understand it. 1 Timothy chapter 3. No, that's good, but that ain't it. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, It would be 2nd. Thank you. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Look, if you would, at uh, verse number 1. This know also in the last days perilous times shall come. Then he gives you the entire thing there. Now look what he says uh, at, uh, in verse 7 of that chapter. Ever what? Learning. All right, why are they ever learning? Uh, I'll tell you why. Look at chapter 4. And look at chapter 4, verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure, endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves, what's the next word? Preachers. Not preachers. They don't want preachers. Uh, I got job security here at New Heights, but I wouldn't have job security out there. They don't want guys like me around. They want someone that's going to sit down and kind of just kind of, we're going to chill and drink coffee together and kind of talk through this thing together. And, and like, they don't want someone speaking as one that had authority. I'm not saying that as if I'm something. I'm nothing. The reason why there's authority about anything that I say is because it comes from God's word. And when you speak with confidence and say, this is what God said, not, you know, well, there's five different ways we could have translated this. You guys pick one. And what do you think? How does this speak to you? You know what that is? That's kumbaya. Let's all hold hands and let's everybody be equal. That's not how preaching works in the Bible. The men got up and they preached the word of God, as the Bible says in Acts, with boldness. That doesn't mean you got to be a jerk or you got to be mean to people. It just means that you speak with authority. Why? Not because of me. If I got to talk about my experience and what I think, I'd be scared. You know why? Because that's not your experience. And you come from a different background. We're different. But if I get up and say, thus saith the Lord, it doesn't matter what I think. It, it has power with it because God said it. And so they said Jesus spoke like another man. Why? Because he spoke with authority and he preached with that. Uh, the Bible says that he went out preaching and teaching. I'm not saying that you uh, cannot uh, uh, teach or that teaching is bad. But again, go to John 15. As you turn there, remember that in the last days, they're going to heap to themselves. They're not asking God. They're heaping to themselves. And what they heap to themselves is not, God, what do you say? It's what do I want? What is my preference? And oh, by the way, I don't want someone getting up and stomping and running around and yelling. And that's Listen, if you look at what preaching is, do you think Jesus got up and said, Year of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father, you will do. Like the way people paint Jesus is like, I don't know, you have not read the Bible. If this is how you portray, and I also don't think he walked around his head, you know, like this, like, hey, I'm here, let's do this, you know. there's a balance, there's humility, and there's sobriety when it comes to preaching because it's not, the acknowledgement that what someone says with their mouth can affect someone's eternal soul, that is a heavy burden and a heavy weight. One not to be approached lightly. Having said that, once you know this is what God says, you got to let it rip (laughs) and leave the results in God's hands. Why? It's not my job to make you do anything. It's my job to present truth. And so what you have to understand is this. The Lord is making a connection between you won't receive me and you won't do right with me if you don't have his words in you. 
You ever come to church and go, man, I just, from the moment we sing, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, that's so good. And then other days you walk, you're like, "Mm, I don't get it. How come she's smiling? I don't know why she's smiling, because her husband bought her some jewelry. And my my husband bought me some jewelry for Valentine's Day. And I don't, it's not the word that's any different. It may not even be the music that's any different. You know what's different? You. And when you're not having the right relationship with the word of God, you will not have the right relationship with the word of God. I had someone tell me I'm a bibliolater. You say, what does that mean? I, I worship the Bible. I do not, you know, at night go, mm, mm. I don't do that, but I do recognize the connection between the two. You'd be a fool not to. Think about this. The Bible says of Jesus Christ in him is life. Do you agree with that? All right, the, the thief come not but for to steal and kill and destroy. I'm coming. They might have life. And they might have it more abundantly. So in him is life. He's living, right? All right, well, the Bible says the word of God, the word of God is quick. That means alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. You don't realize that Jesus Christ, just like, uh, and the truth is no different than your tongue. Your tongue can give life, it can give death. The only difference between you and Jesus is he always knew when to give which. Amen, amen, amen. So your tongue's kind of like the Bible. It, it, it can cut, but it can also heal. The, the problem we have is we get them mixed up. Think about this. Jesus Christ is dealing with that woman, and uh, that woman in John chapter 8. And, and he says, uh, uh, where are thine, these thine accusers? Uh, and, and he says, who accuses you? No man, Lord, neither do I accuse thee. Go. And I didn't, listen, he didn't say, you know, I get you. Did he? You know what that propaganda is all about? To make Jesus more human and less God. And to make Jesus a sinner. Uh, some of you, I talked about this recently, uh, they got a kid's book that's out right now that says that Jesus went down to John the Baptist to get his sins washed away. That's in a kid's book. Jesus didn't sin. He's sinless. You know what everyone's trying to do? The old saying is this, this isn't in my notes, so bear with me. The old saying is this, is that in the beginning, God made man in his own image. And ever since then, man has been trying to return the favor. Meaning we want God to be like us. The way that he is like us is he knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to lose a loved one. He, the Bible says about his friend Lazarus that he died and Jesus wept, John eleven thirty five. 35. The Bible says he is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That doesn't mean that whenever we sin, he's like, yeah, no big deal. He died for those sins. All right. And so as, as it relates to, to how we portray God, it matters. That's why when you get away from this, you can make Jesus in any kind of image that you want. Look at John chapter 15. Look, if you would, at verse number one. You ought to be abiding in the word of God, and the words of God should be abiding in you. All right? It's, it's, a, it's a, you can call it a symbiotic relationship, I guess, if you wanted to. But basically, the idea is this. Um, when you got saved, how about this? Christ is in you. That's one of the seven mysteries of the New Testament. And you are in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All right? He's in you and you're in him. You know what it says over in Colossians? Your life is hid with Christ in God. So your identity is in him. Why? Because he's in you and you're in him. That's abiding. That, that, that's where you come as it relates to your eternal soul. That's what abiding is. You don't get saved and get put in Christ and then get taken out of Christ and then get put back in Christ, then taken out of Christ. If any of us would experience that, we would have lost our salvation a million times over. And some of you are like, oh, no, not me. You probably would have lost it on the way to church. You were speeding. Amen. Don't raise your hand. You were speeding. And when you thought you saw a cop, it was one of those retired police cars. That Have you ever noticed retired police cars always go to people that look like thugs? 
it's the weirdest thing. If you have one, don't get offended, all right? <laughs> you may be the nicest person in the world. I'm, I'm just saying, it's, just, it's a weird thing. Anyways, you, you're, you're speeding on the way to church, and also you think you saw a couple, you slow down, and you're like, yeah, you know, trying to meet his quota. And I bet that's what that is. Yeah, no, he's just trying to do his job. She's just trying to do her job. But you, on the way to church, you could have lost your salvation on the way. You, some of you parents could have lost your salvation doing this. Didn't I tell you to shut up? <laughs> on the way to church, don't raise your hand. Don't come to the altar right now either. All right? But what all of us have been tempted, if not there, to be. And listen, I know what you're thinking. I would never do that. Not out loud. In your mind, you're like, smack, smack, smack. All right? Now, listen, we, we, there's, you know what? The, the old preacher used to say this. All of us have enough fleas on us to remind us we're still dogs. Some fleas are larger and more visible than others, and others are way below the surface, but you got them. And so the idea is this. You don't get saved and put in, get put in Christ and taken out of Christ. And so you know what the Lord says? In light, of, in light of your eternal soul, in light of your eternal condition, you as a believer need to say, you know what? If that's where my eternity's at, I'm going to live my current life in light of that. That will be my identity, not my circumstances in life. Why? Because the word of God liveth and abideth forever. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know what you have when you walk in the word of God, even when life is a complete mess? You gain consistency in the Christian life. You say, what is that? I'm learning to abide in the present as I will in the eternal. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to read John 15 in just a moment, Pastor Lady D. Let me ask you a question. Uh, 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 you, you as a Christian, when does eternal life begin? You know what a lot of people will say? When you die. That's not true. You, you have it right now. Uh, keep your hand there and go to 1 John chapter 5. That, that's why, we'll get back there, don't worry. Don't worry, folks, eventually. Maybe a couple months from now, but we'll get there. Look at 1 John chapter 5. Uh, you, you, I, I want you to understand, my salvation is not dependent on what I do in the flesh. Just like I could not gain it, I cannot maintain it. Here's what he says. Uh, he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Not may, not might. Uh, your salvation is dependent on what Jesus Christ did, not what you do. Now, if you think that means I'm giving you a license to sin, you have, you have misunderstood what I've said. Paul addresses this in Romans chapter number 5, 6, and 7. And here's what he does. Romans 5 is your past. He says, in Adam all die, and Christ shall all be made alive. That's where you were, all right? Romans chapter 6... And seven deals, or I'll say this, Romans six deals with your eternal condition after salvation. And he says, you've been baptized in Christ and you are to walk in newness of life. Romans seven deals with a very present reality. Let me ask you a question. If you believe you can lose your salvation, let me ask you this. Uh, the guy that writes half the New Testament, you know who he is? Paul. All right. Not, not a trick question. You're like, Jesus. <laughs> All right, Paul. It's Paul. All right. And, and so when it, when it comes to Paul, doesn't Paul say in Romans 7, the things that I would, those things I do not, and the things that I would not, those things I do, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me, watch it, from this body of death, not my soul. My soul's been saved and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. My body's a different situation. This is a mess every day. I got to look in the mirror and go, you're the problem. I don't wake up and go, you're the problem. And if I ever do, she'll slap me and I'll get right with God and we'll be all right. All right? I don't look at her and say that. I look in the mirror and say, you're the problem. 
You know why? Because this is the real issue. I, my soul has been saved. My spirit has been born again. Jesus Christ, the Lord took care of everything eternally for me. What he did not do, you say, why? Because this is where free will comes in. I'm going I'm to explain where this all connects in a moment. If the Lord would take away my free will the moment I got saved, then that would mean this. I would gain nothing at the judgment seat of Christ. You see, heaven is, is, my, is the, the blessing. I, it's the reward I get for the work that Jesus Christ did and for me receiving that gift. The rewards I get at the judgment seat of Christ, all right, at the rapture, all right, those are things that I get for the things that I submit my will to God's will for. What that means is if, that, if, if there's a submission of will, that means there's a potential battle. In other words, when I look at my kids and go, you will do this, they can choose to say, no, I won't. Then I can choose to say, <laughs> right? And, and, but you understand what I'm saying, right? Like there's, if there's will involved, that means there's a potential battle. Uh, if you're looking at me kind of confused, anyone married here? All right, do you guys, is, is your will just like perfectly always aligned? Like you just, we, we know we just, we're meant for each other and like we agree on everything. If you agree on everything, you're dead. Someone's dead. Someone's dead, all right? You're not going to agree on everything. You know why? Because you've got a free will, and so does she. And so, when, and, and so does he, whatever, whichever way this goes. And, and listen, you as a child of God, you need to understand, you have free will. And that's what got you into this. You accepted the gift of God, eternal life. And then from there, you've got to submit your body. You say, why? Run out of room over here. All right, Romans chapter 8. You say, what happens in Romans chapter 8? He talks about your future. And he talks about being saved by hope, not like, I hope I'm saved, I hope I go to heaven, nah. Uh, when he says Romans, I think it's 8.24, we are saved by hope. And I heard a, a guy that, man, he just made a fool of himself trying to unexplain that verse. Uh, you know what that, that is? It's really simple. If you just compare the Bible with the Bible, you'll get all the answers, all right? Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. What is that? That's hope. First John, you're already in First John 5, you might as well go back to First John chapter 3. Might as well look at First John chapter 3. First John chapter 3, and look if you would at verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the what? Do you know where else you're called the sons of God? In Romans chapter 8, when he talks about the fact that you were adopted and you've been redeemed. Your soul has been redeemed in whom you have redemption through his blood, in whom we have. You possess it right now. You're not waiting for eternal life. You've got it right now. You don't always feel like it when you wake up in the morning. Can I get a witness? All right, let's see if I can do this. Ready? Here we go. Oh, anybody hear that? Oh, yeah. Oh, popping everywhere. I don't feel eternal right now. You know why? Because this is the vessel. This vessel is not eternal. Are you with me? And sometimes you don't feel saved. Welcome to the party. Okay? Because your feelings don't determine what is truth. It may be how you feel right now. It may be real to you, but it does not determine what is, what is objective truth from God's standpoint. All right, so, so you need to understand, look, look what it says in 1 John chapter 3. Uh, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, uh, in verse 2, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this, what? Hope. There you go. That's the hope he's talking about in Romans chapter 8. We're saved by hope. He's talking about the salvation of your body. You haven't gotten that yet. And that's why you've got problems. And that's why you come to church and go, I need to get, I need, I'm going to get it right. I'm going to do it. And then, and then I'm, let's, not, let's, not, let's not kid ourselves. It's not Monday comes around. It's parking lot Sunday after church comes around. <laughs> Amen. 
And, and you get in your car, and by the time you get to your car, someone said something, someone did something, or I don't know, you reminded of something, you got a text from someone, God only knows, and all of a sudden it just went, everything you heard in church. Anybody ever know what I'm talking about? Okay, all right. Uh, so, so what I'm getting at is this. You need to understand, Christian, that the only shot you have of really dwelling in close fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, especially with everything going on out there, you know what it is? It's being in His Word. Look at 1 John chapter 5, and then we'll go to Romans, uh, John 15. 1 John chapter 5, look at verse number 13. Question, who here has believed on the name of the Son of God? You've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You trusted the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, plus nothing, all right? If, if that's you, look what he says in verse 13. One of the, and by the way, uh, very, I'm sorry, not verse 13, uh, verse number uh, 12. Every word in this verse is one syllable. Very simple. He that hath the Son hath what? That's present tense. You've got it right now. Right? There's no question about it if you're saved. You've got eternal life. It dwells in you through a person named Jesus Christ. And, and by the way, it's not the teachings of Jesus. It is the person of Jesus a lot of what you hear out there today is this, you know, I believe that Jesus Christ is a, a good man. And, you know, think, okay, how about this? Uh, you know, uh, the Hindus have their way, the Muslims have their way, the Jews have their way, and you Christians think your way is the only way. And because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I believe, and they'll say this, I believe in the teachings of Jesus, but they're all very similar to all each other. It's like, uh, have you read what the Vedas say? Have you read what the authors, the, the, the Upanishads, you know what they say about life? Now, do you understand there's a difference in karma and the, between karma and the mercy of God? They're not, they're not at all even close to each other. They are diametrically opposed. If you don't believe that, maybe uh, sit. Some of you guys are kind of flirting with New Age stuff. Maybe sit down with Brother Kidan someday after church and go, hey, here's what I think. And he'll tell you, that's been around a long time. It's been around my country. And don't follow that. Here's why it's destructive. Here's why it's wrong. And it's against God. Yeah. All right. Now, now you go, well, they're all the same path to God. Okay, let me ask you a question. If one path says this, in, let, let, let's take the authenticity of the character of Jesus Christ. Love your enemies. Love them. One guy says, kill them. Kill the infidels. I'm not picking on Muhammad. You can't deny Muhammad lived. And there are some actually, believe it or not, gasp. There are some good things that he said. Okay, you got to be real about these things. You can't say it's all garbage. There were some good things that he said. Okay, but then when pressed kill the infidels. Well, you know what the problem is, don't you? You're convinced that you're going to bring in a kingdom on this earth. None of us are going to do that. That's the, the role of God himself. That's not my role. All right? And, and so, but, but you look at it and go, kill the infidels versus love your enemies. They're not the same. Uh, all right, so, so in, in the system of karma, oh, they say that, but, you know, the uh, Buddha, you know, it's all kind of about enlightenment and finding you, and Christ is like the word enlightenment. No, Christ means anointed. It doesn't mean enlightened. You're getting Christ confused with Satan because his word means Lu Lucifer, which means loose, which means light bearer, which means, let me enlighten you, Genesis chapter 3. So, so when it comes to this whole enlightenment thing, you don't get light from yourself. You don't get light from this world. You get light from God. In him was life, and the life was the light, his life was the light of men, all right? And so when it comes to all this stuff, people say, they're all the same. No, they're not. You know what you're doing? Some of you college, you're going to universities, especially if you go to liberal arts school, you're going to cram that stuff down your throat. 
read what these other religions actually say. Don't just believe the, 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 the hype. Read it for yourself and then compare it to what Jesus Christ said. You know what you're going to find? Jesus did not. Here's what Buddha does. He points you to a path. You know what, what Muhammad does? He, he points you to Allah, at least allegedly. All right. You know what the, the Hindu religion does? It points you to millions of gods. You know what Jesus says? I'm going to point you to me. That's not the same. It's not the same to say, believe my teachings versus believe on me. Those are two different things. All right, how do you get eternal life? Well, you believe his word, and you believe his word, and in his word you find what he did. Now, uh, look at John chapter 15, in light of all that. John chapter 15. I love it when someone says, you know, I, I, I can't believe in Jesus Christ unless there's absolute proof. Do you believe the lights are on? What are the proof of it? Well, there's light there. All right, well, look out in the world. How'd this get here? Are you going to honestly say that you believe that all the structure was the result of a chaotic explosion? If there was a computer, that iPad, do you go looking for the designer inside of it and go, the designer is the iPad, <laughs> and the iPad is the engineer? No, that's stupid. The, the designer lives outside of the computer. The, the, God is outside of space, time, and matter. All right, you, you're not going to confine God to this. You're not going to confine, but you can look at that and go, man, this is not an accident. And the, the way that your body is framed and the amount of beats your heart beats and, and, and how often is it? it beats too fast, you're dead. It beats too slow, you're dead. The planets align in a certain order. If there's too close to the sun, we're fried. Too far away, we're frozen. And that was all. What you have to do is this. You have to, because you don't want to accept a God that's personal and you're going to be accountable to, you replace it with a God called the universe. And, and that's all you're doing. But you're not getting away from the idea of a higher power. You're just being intellectually dishonest about how things are actually made in reality. All right? Uh, look at John chapter 15. If you are going to learn God, you're going to do it through his word. Not through your feelings. Not through your experiences. I'm not saying God can't use experiences to help you. But I'm going to say this. You match your experiences to his word. Now look at John 15 verse 1. I am the true vine. Imagine someone having the audacity to say, I am. I am the true vine. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the bread which came down. Guys, if some guy got up and said that, he'd either be crazy, he'd be trying to deceive you, or he might be who he said he was. And I would say, based on the evidence that three days later, he came out of the tomb and he's no longer dead. And you, Every other religion in the world has a, a, a little place where you go and, and, and look at the shrine and look at the little things here and kiss the toe of St. You know, the, the black St. Peter toe and all that stuff. Do all this stuff. And that my Savior is not in the tomb, guys. He's alive. Uh, I am the true vine, and my Father is a husband. And every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now look at verse 4. Abide in and watch what he says, and I in, you see how that works? When you get into the word of God, and the, then the word of God gets into you, then you start having a real relationship with the Lord. You know what you can do on the outside? You can come to church, and you can kind of do, go through the motions, and, and look, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'd rather you in the church. The answer is not, well, I'm just going to stay home until I'm right with God. Good luck with that. Amen. It's probably not going to work for you, all right? But I'm going to say this. You can do everything right on the outside. 
and not be in fellowship with God. You know why? Because it's not an external thing. It has to do, notice, it's in you. It's something that has to make its way in. And, and let me just say this, Christian, if you want the Word of God to abide in you, you've got to make room for it. You cannot have all these other competing authorities. All right, so if I'm listening to my dad, who I love very much and respect very highly, and to this day, it's te quiero, papi. I mean, I, I'm very, very close with my dad. However, and it's yes, sir, even when he says things, you know, you know, oh, no, the baby's sick. Put some Vicks on her. Dad, that's probably not going to feel her. <laughs> if I get sick, he goes, you need to put some socks on. That's a Hispanic thing. Put some Vicks <laughs> and socks on, and everything gets better, you know? But even if, if my, I'm not going to say, Dad, you're an idiot. I'll say, thanks, Dad. I appreciate that. Why? There's going to be a, a level of respect there. However, if my dad ever said something that I knew was against Scripture. Where's Ariana? She done backslid. All right. So, so when this girl was little, I remember she did something. I know, shock, gasp, and awe that merited uh, uh, the Board of Education being applied to the seat of knowledge, okay? And, and uh, she, you know, I was, my dad was, was, we were at his house, I think we were, and I, I got up to, you know, let her know that she was going to be uh, having a visit with the Board of Education, and, and my dad goes, pero no, ay no, ella no sabe, ella no sabe, Adrián, ella demasiado de chiquita, you know, she's just too little, I'm like, no. She's looking at me going, <laughs> right? Like, I'm going to do this even though you said not to. She knows what's going on. And listen, at that point, I didn't argue with my dad, but I still chose to do what I was supposed to do. Why? Because the highest authority is not my dad. The highest authority is God. And you as a Christian have to come to a place where you go, you know what? It's not so much what everybody else thinks or says. It has to do with what did God actually say, and am I going to submit to that? Why? Because when we talk about the Word of God as the Bible, you know what it is? It's written, all right? Jesus Christ is called the living Word of God. This is the written Word of God. They're both alive, all right? This one is inspired by God, Second Peter chapter 1. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Inspired, that means the Spirit has been put in. You don't need Greek for that. You need English, all right? You, the, the Spirit has been put in. All right, you know what it says about Jesus Christ? The, the Holy Spirit of God is not given him by measure. He is completely filled with the Spirit of God. Why? Because he constantly submitted to the Father's will. All right, these are things that are similar. Uh, the Word of God is divine revelation to mankind. All right, the living Word of God, Jesus Christ, is God manifest in the flesh. There's these constant correlations between the two. You cannot ignore them. And if you ignore this, well, guess what? You're going to ignore this. And when you don't take time in this, you will never know this like God wants you to know. All right? Uh, listen, you've got to get this in you so that you can be in fellowship with him. And that's the idea that the Lord is trying to get across to these people there. Look, uh, you, you, in the next verse, he tells them to search the scriptures. All right? Well, what are scriptures? They are written, script, revelation. The, written, the revelation of God First, goes through an oral process. All right, you see, what is that? The oracles of God. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And then God writes those words down in a book. All right, uh, look at uh, 1 Kings chapter 22. 1 Kings 22. Can there any good thing come out of 1 Kings? We're about to find out. 
don't ignore those Old Testament books because they look long and boring, okay? Uh, they're, they're filled with all kinds of life-giving material. 1 Kings chapter 22. 1 Kings 22. And uh, look, if you would, at verse number 8. 1 Kings 22, verse number 8. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man, Micaiah. That's good, but that is not what I want. Uh, let's see 2 Kings. Go to 2 Kings. Sorry, guys. Let's see if that's, I think that's the answer. Yeah, there we go. 2 Kings 22. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number 8. 2 Kings 22, verse 8. And Hilkiah, the high priest, said unto Shaphan, the scribe. Let me ask you a question. What's a scribe? Someone that writes things down. And so the Lord would reveal his revelation through, through holy men of God, as the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, and they would speak those words on behalf of God, and then they would get written down. The scribes would write them, and then you've got what eventually becomes Scripture. Now look at uh, uh, verse number 8. Uh, Hilkiah the high priest said in the shape of the scribe, I have found the what? The book. the book. The book of the law in the house of the Lord. Look at Joshua chapter number 1. Joshua chapter number 1. Now, you may have missed this, but in John 5, in verse number uh, 37, he says this, Ye have not seen the Father's voice, nor uh, uh, heard the Father's voice, nor seen his shape. So there's a connection from verse 37 with the Father's voice and the word in verse 38 abiding in you. In other words, you cannot hear God's voice if you've got this book shut. All right. If I've got, let me just, I don't know if anyone's ever been through this, uh, but sometimes I'll be listening to something uh, and, and uh, you know, about three feet away, I'm in the kitchen, you know, washing dishes or whatever else. Real men wash dishes and change diapers. Amen. And so I'm in there doing that. And my wife's like, talk to me and talk to me. And finally, it's like, are you hearing me? <laughs> let me just say this, ladies. When you ask that, the answer is no, he has not heard anything. <laughs> if you have to ask that, you know, he hasn't heard anything. All right. So, so that said, at that point, I realized I've got to take these out so I can hear what she's saying. All right? So, so spiritually, you got to learn to take the spiritual AirPods out to hear from God. You've you got to learn to open that book if you're going to. I'm, and I'm not trying to pick on you. If you're in a place where you're like, I'm just getting a chapter in a day, praise God. I'm glad you're doing anything. But let me just say this much. How much time do you scroll? How much time do you go on YouTube? How much time do you listen to podcasts? I'm, all, I'm not saying podcasts are bad. I listen to them. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying, how much time do you do all that stuff and go, well, I'm getting my chapter in. Well, let me ask you a question. You're an educated American. You can read. All right. You, you went to school and high school and maybe some of you college and maybe even postgraduate degrees. That's great. All right. If, if you can assimilate all that knowledge and all that information and you spend five minutes in your Bible, shame on you. Because you as a Christian ought to understand if I'm going to know God and have a walk with him, I've got to get in that book. Look at Joshua chapter number one, Joshua chapter one. Now, look, if you couldn't read, I wouldn't pick on you. If you could barely read and you got a chapter in a day, I'd say, praise God. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be based on your ability. Every man, now look, uh, I know guys read 30 pages a day. I say, how many, Pastor, how many pages do you read? You know what I say? Till I'm full. Now, you do whatever you want, uh, but I'm, I'm not on a 30 page a day thing. I, I'm also not going to be like, oh, man, Jesus wept. I sure got all I needed today. Uh, come on, man. Don't be disingenuous with yourself. You spend how much time on yourself and on the world and on the flesh and on all these other things 
There's a special time that you ought to have in the first thing in the morning to get your head in the right space and your heart in the right place. And it goes back to getting in the book. Look at Joshua chapter 1. You know what America's problem is? I saw a video where a guy goes, I'll give you 100 bucks if you can finish this verse. Jesus said, I am the way. Now, half people in the video are like, bug off, kid. You know, They don't want to be bothered. They don't know. Uh, but there's a number of Christians that go, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. You know what that is? Too much time with CNN and NBC and Fox and TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat and, re- and Be Real and all the rest of it. Uh, you're, you're spending all the time in the digital world. You're not spending time in the real world. This is real. God wants to speak to you. But God chooses how he does it, not you. You don't wake up and go, the sky is green. No, it's blue. I mean, you can call it that if you want, but it doesn't change what it actually is. All right, look at Joshua chapter 1. Look, if you would, at verse number 8. We got through one slide in PowerPoint today. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Joshua chapter 1. Look, if you would, at verse number 8. This what? Lord. Of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Now, let me just stop real quick. That's deep. You may not think so. You know why it's deep? Here's why. Because the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And the Bible says, out of the, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. All right, you know what that means? If you're going to make sure you don't depart from that book and it doesn't depart out of your mouth, that means you have first got to get it in here. You know, what, you know when a change comes out of here? When a change comes here. And, and listen, the only way to do that is to renew your mind. Look at Romans 12, and we'll go ahead and call it a day and wrap it up here. Romans chapter 12. We got through one slide and one verse. Hallelujah. All right. Romans chapter 12. I say one more. Well, well, Romans 12, we'll go back to John 5 and just at least put a cap on that, all right? Uh, as the young folks say, no cap. That means no lie, right? Is that what that is? All right. Roman, Rome, what did I tell you to go? I'm learning, yeah. Uh, where did I just tell you guys to go? Romans 12, that's right. Thank you. I got, I got messed up with no cap. Like, did I say that right? All right. Uh, uh, let's see here. I don't know, man. I don't know. High key, low key, straight fire. It's like we're talking in hieroglyphics or something, man. Uh, Romans chapter number 12, Romans 12. Uh, look, if you would, at w- verse number 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living what? Holy, acceptable unto the brethren. Acceptable unto what the pastor thinks. Acceptable unto what your... You know what Christian kids will say? Well, well, their parents let them do it. Who cares? You understand before their parents when you die acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Now, trans is a word that people use a lot today. I'm not picking on people when I say this. Just bear with me. They use that a lot. I don't know what to do with the eraser here, but we're going to make some room. All right? Uh, We'll wash it later. Um, All right. Brother Tony. Dígame en español, ¿qué significa esta palabra con? With. All right. With form, be not conformed. Don't take the shape of the world, all right? But be trans. (laughs) I am Optimus Prime, you know? (laughs) Autobots roll out, (laughs) all right? All right, so you know what that is? That's to change your form. You're going to be in one of these two categories. You're going to be in the shape of the world, or you will let God shape you. 
And the way that happens, look what he says. He says, be transformed by the renewing of what? You you know what people say? You've been brainwashed. And I say, yes, I have. (laughs) Because my mind was dirty before. And I needed God to clean it up. And oh, by the way, the jack wagon that spits that out very quickly forgets when they go, you just believe stuff you're in a book. You believe evolution. Where'd you read it? You're going to tell me you were born and you're like, man, I know billions of years ago. (laughs) No, you didn't do that. You read it in a book. So you're choosing faith. It's not science against faith. It's faith against faith. And the evidence, even scientifically, points to this. Uh, Now, Christian, the idea is this. Go back to John chapter 5. If you want God to be real in your life, you cannot divorce the, the, the idea or the concept that if you are going to abide and fellowship with Jesus Christ, that you're going to have to abide in His Word. And if His Word does not abide in you, all right, here's, here's, here's a, a good way to test it, all right? And, and I'm not trying, I know we got mixed company, I'll be careful, I'll PG it. Gentlemen, a lady walks by with less, maybe less clothing than maybe she should have on. And you go, he need to tell him what she should have on. I'm nobody, but God would have a word about that, not me, all right? So let's say she walks by. Now, if you see something and you didn't mean to look, all right, no problem. But that moment you go, well, no one's going to notice. I'm just kind of, see, that's a personal choice. And that's where the Bible, that's where you go, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. That's where you go, every, uh, the eyes of the Lord in every place beholding the evil and the good. That's where you go, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. You say, what is that? That's the word of God dwelling in you. Yeah. All right, uh, you're, you're at home and uh, gentlemen, and maybe your wife has kind of, you know, got you, you know, kind of pushed you on something and got the honey to do list. And, and she says one more thing about it. And you go, Wah! All right, well, you know what? The issue is really simple. The issue is simple. I mean, we try to complicate it. The issue is this. There's something else abiding in you. You've allowed room for something else, and it's not God's word. All right? Someone speaks evil about you. Someone hurts you. The human response is, you don't know them. Let me tell you about them. And the Holy Spirit comes in. And the Holy Spirit says, put no confidence in man. The fear of man bringeth a snare. You know why you do that? Because you're afraid of man and what they think about you. Instead of being fearful of God. And so you're going to fight fire with fire. You're going to gossip about someone gossiping about you. And you go, I'm justified. And the words of God are there going, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh. Now, if you don't put them there, they're not there. And you can be saved and on your way to heaven and be living just like a lost person. Not because you're lost or you lost your salvation. We've already clarified that. It's because the word isn't abiding in you. So Christian, the charge today is this. Spend time in that word. And let that word spend some time in you. I'm going to encourage you to do something. When you get your Bible out tomorrow morning, hopefully you do that, put your phone away. Put your phone away. And just say, Lord, I want to hear from you. Let's all stand. We'll take a, uh, have a word of prayer, take a break. And uh, Brother uh, Eric, we will start at... Uh, Let's start at 10 after 11. We'll start at 10 after 11, all right? And uh, we'll make sure that we shorten the message really short to make up for that lost time. All right, brother, uh, I'm going to ask Brother Felix if he closes in a word of prayer, sir.